Rightio, we ready to fire up. I think we are. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Hello, welcome, and thank you for choosing to listen to Fire Up, however and whenever you may be listening, here proudly on the Diamond Tina Podcast Network. Please feel free to give us a review, share us with your friends, or just enjoy this episode as we unpack Crackdown Week 9, Lockdown Week 3, in Episode 15 of the 2021 Fire Up season, where we'll be encouraging you to keep your chin up and your heart full. Here online with Chris Gale and Redfern Pat, I'm Dennis Carnahan trying to contain my arousal as the feedback has said I'm getting a bit too fired up. But how can I not get fired up? How can I not get aroused when Sammy Williams is scoring doubles against a naturally aspirated manly Warringah Seagull side? How can I not get fired up when Rugby League and Peter Volandis are under siege? Under siege from blowouts and predictions and threats of falling ratings. Under siege from the inferior codes gasping and clawing desperately for breath and relevance. One putting on their rubbish in regional Victoria. Another having a staged victory against an alleged international foe. And that old 19th century primitive cosplay farce called soccer. Trying to revive itself with some minor tourney in a colonial outpost between two outdated and irrelevant 20th century European nations that should be consigned to the history books. But nonetheless, Rugby League is under siege. Rugby League has faced the pandemic with the Apollo plan. It's faced the Shell Harbour 13 with stat decks and suspensions. It's faced Jai Arrow's origin Dancergate with debubbling and suspension. It's faced hostile governments with protocols and regulations. It's faced reality with fantasy. But the revolters against the horsemen were getting more and more fired up. So what does the horseman do? He looks to history. He looks to politics. He listened to the Fire Up podcast last week where you, Chris Gale, mentioned the Exocet missile and a light came on. He remembered the glorious last days of empire. British Prime Minister Maggie Thatcher was losing the polls after closing the mines and robbing good, hard, honest workers of their jobs. So what did she do? Invade the Falklands! Sink the Belgrano! Distract the masses with war! And the people tumbled for it! So she won the election. George Bush Sr. did the same thing with the Gulf War and the people tumbled for it and he won another election. So the horseman comes up with a war plan to distract the masses. A bait and switch for the ages. He moves the entire game of Rugby League to the perceived heartland of Rugby League. Queensland. But the plan has a major flaw, and not everyone is tumbling for it. Moving, as Andrew Abdu put it, a group as large as this, 41 multiplied by 12, he said. So despite graduating as top student from the University of Pretoria, formerly the Transvaal University College, which would make him a sweet Volandite from Transylvania, which is an interesting concept, in 2006, Andrew didn't do too well at arithmetic. 492, Andrew. 41 times 12 is 492. You can at least do the math before you go on 360. You could even have said almost 500 people to make it more dramatic, but I digress and this show a bores digression. There are flaws with the plan. Moving families, pregnant partners, quarantines, bubbles, protocols, Chris Gale. Which of these problems do you think poses the greatest threat to Rugby League's brave new world in Queensland? Thank you, Dennis Carnahan. The answer, of course, is Wi-Fi. I don't know if you caught Abdo last night on 100% footy, 
but it had a graphic come up while he was being interviewed saying Interconnect, internet connection is unstable. If you're going to take the greater rugby league community and relocate them into these resorts in Queensland and the Wi-Fi is no good, you're going to have a revolution, Dennis. And unless they get this sorted out, unless we get 5G better down throughout southeast Queensland, rugby league may no longer exist as we'd like it to in about a month's time. Well, that's a it's a shocking revelation that it could be that. So you're saying the players haven't had to have the 5G vaccination or the indoctrination of the 5G. Benji Marshall knew nothing about uh, it last night. He said, I don't know. Knew, so, I mean, knew nothing about if they haven't had the 5G vaccination, sh- the reception is going to be lousy up there. Are we sure that it was actually a reception problem and not a certain fox calling his mobile? Because you must have seen that little clip where... Um, Brian Tall was on Fox and his his phone kept stopping. And then there's a film clip of uh, of the Fox ringing him up while he's on air well, he, to make his phone he, connection stop. You might be onto something here, Dennis, because when you outlined all the things that are being moved, families, pregnant partners, players, coaches, staff into quarantines, bubbles and protocols, you didn't mention the media. And let's face it, if there's one part of rugby league that's not getting on with each other right now, it's the nine and the fox cabals. Are they trying to sabotage each other at every turn? Because in this exposed area where all of this rugby league is concentrated, I mean, the royal family doesn't all fly on a plane for a reason, Dennis, because if the plane goes down, all the royal family. I fear for how much the concentration of the rugby league persona is going to be in that small area in Queensland. Are we going to be exposed? And if there's a media war, it's going to fracture... Who knows what's going to happen up there? I'll enjoy watching it, though. Well, if I can. Well, I think as long as the Wi-Fi doesn't go. I don't think much. KO. I don't think much. Not, not much media is allowed up there. Well, this is There's, a huge um, problem. There'll be the. There'll be the NEP people, so it'll be the the crew, and basically everyone. The ABC has finally relented, and we're going to be hubbed. We're, we're just going to be in the um, calling from the league lounge. Fox has been doing this for ages. Two GB has been doing this for ages. Triple M's been doing this for ages. Uh, Nine does it, so they just they might have a couple of people at the games, but there'll be just sideline eyes. So hang on, it's a tragedy. Do you each does each of these networks have an individual league lounge, or you're saying there's actually some common area in Sydney <laughs> called the league lounge? Because I'd like to I'd like to visit that someday. And by the way, thank God Channel Seven hasn't got their hands on it right now, because one of those limited people we'd probably have Matt Shervington anchoring the rugby league coverage oh. every weekend for oh. a month at least. It'd be interesting, that's for sure. Where's Toddy Woodbridge? Wouldn't it be great to have Todd Woodbridge well, back anchoring the rugby league? What a great time to give a shout-out to both Dylan Olcott and our Ash Barty for their magnificent victories last weekend. Uh, and did you catch Elena Dockich getting on the drink after the game? She's, she doesn't drink, but she allowed herself a half a glass of champagne and she choked up the Lux Dennis. It was a beautiful Australian moment. And there I was at 1 p.m., 1 a.m., in the morning in tears and saying, how good is tennis? And let me tell you, it's been about 25 years since I've said, how good is tennis? <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I've ever. Well, tennis died to me the day I used to play with my son, and my son had lessons, and he was look. He, he had a go. He was a toiler. Um, his technique was good. His eyes were good, and just one day, suddenly, he's hit puberty. And his arms have gotten long, and he's not quite coordinated. But one day, it all came into place, and we had this game. I'd normally I'd play with him, and I kind of let him win. We'd get to you know five all, and he'd win the tie break. Then we had this game. Was he about 21 at the time? A serve. No, no, this is when he's, you know, eight, nine, <laughs> but about 15. He, no, it would have been 14. No, 15. He started serving and 
I, I couldn't, no matter where I stood, if I stood back to give myself enough room, he just put it out to the side and didn't have, I couldn't get to it. If I stood up to try and get to it, he just, it was too fast. Tennis died for me that day. We haven't played since. Well, it was a beautiful and nostalgic <laughs> moment for me, Dennis, because I can remember back in 1980 watching Yvonne Goulagon Corley secure her second Wimbledon championship against, I don't know, Chris Everett, uh, Norman, Lloyd. <laughs> Boyd. You know, whatever <laughs> and uh, whatever good times good times but there's another danger of the bubble Chris and it's not the media the media is obviously a dreadful danger but there's a terrible danger and it does sell papers and it does it, it's, it's something that sells and it's been pointed out by Paul Gallen that uh, the boys may well have some physiological needs how are they going to meet these physiological needs yeah, so it was an interesting article from Gal because he was concerned about the fact that in his understanding was that the entire NRL cognosceni would be put into a stage four lockdown for the entire eight weeks of the regular season. And, of course, he's immediately been corrected. It's only the first two weeks. Then they go to stage one, as is currently enjoyed by our northern brethren in Queensland. And his concern targeted the single players he seems to feel that conjugal rights and um, the way it plays out in married relationships absolutely no problem this is a problem that was going to be confined to the single players that uh, denied access to whatever your preference is uh, members of physiological needs physiological needs that uh, this was going to make the bubble hard to stop bursting and that Jai Arrow might have <laughs> might, have, might, have, might have been the thin end of the wedge and what 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 I my reaction to Gal, who's you know somewhat shamefacedly say, okay, I accept that maybe they could hang out for two weeks, is that um, I've never ever had a need to talk about masturbation in the context of a rugby league podcast until now, but I feel that we do <laughs> because Gal could only see the solution. At, at last, Gal could only see the solution <laughs> as the inability of the players to act with other living beings forgetting that you know that's that well-known aphorism you know you can't learn to love someone else until you learn to love yourself <laughs> well i guess this also comes down to the strength of the wi-fi might be an issue because if you've got 492 players and staff all in there with physiological requirements on their own having to uh, gratify those physiological requirements themselves. It's going to take a lot of internet. Well, unless, Dennis, you go old school and just rely on something that's fallen out of favour in modern times, and that, of course, is the power of the imagination. But, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, there's also the other factor in all this is that there's still, you know, I would argue inconclusive research about the impact of sex on performance. And oh, there's a, there's a lot of research on this and a lot of anecdotal evidence. There are certain there are certain players who say that they cannot perform unless they've taken the edge off themselves because they get a little bit too aroused. So they need some sort of servicing prior to the game. There are others who say they need that energy, otherwise they can't perform. They need to get to maximum arousal, so they need to uh, abstain well, for a few days. Well, say if you're a coach who falls into the latter category there, Dennis, and we've got that two-week opportunity, and let's face it, some of the teams on the bottoms of the table, hello, West Tigers, Coach Maguire might see this as an opportunity to get the boys a little sharper by saying, boys, no one's allowed in and hands off. But 
but but I think we have some feedback about how difficult that challenge might be. All right, I'll tell you this though. I am never doing that again. What? You mean in your mother's house or all together? All together. No, like oh, you can give me yeah. a break. Right. Come on. Come on. You don't think I can? No chance. You think you could? Well, I know I could hold out longer than you. Care to make it interesting? Sure, how much? Hundred dollars? You're on. Wait a second, wait a second. Count me in on this. You? Yeah. You'll be out before we get the check. This too. Oh, no, no, no. Oranges. Because you're a woman. So what? It's easier for a woman not to do it than a man. Oh. We have to do it. It's part of our lifestyle. <laughs> it's like uh, shaving. Oh, that is such baloney. I shave my legs. Not every day. <laughs> so. Interesting times for rugby league in many, many senses, Dennis. This is somewhat reminiscent of when the 4077th had to bug out of uh, their base in MASH, isn't it, really? So we're saying what what happens in the bubble stays in the bubble? Is it going to be one of those scenarios? It's, and is it's, that, well, well, I've always said that the that, Gold Coast is Vegas and Queensland, haven't they? Oh, the Raiders are going to the Gold Coast. <laughs> Well, I have. When I saw that, I was worried because I nothing. There's a saying that that uh, Jack Gibson. I, I'm sure he didn't make it up, but nothing good happens after midnight. Nothing good happens on the Gold Coast. Mm, true. Nothing. I mean, nothing at all. No, uh, of course, there's been a lot of attention already on the three precincts to which the teams have been relocated: Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, and in the case of the West Tigers, the Novotel at South Bank in Brisbane. Uh, it, it's, it seems less salubrious and it seems like yet again there's a class structure in rugby league and we're not the beneficiaries of it Dennis I would have thought that they should really have seriously considered moving the whole shebang to somewhere that's isolated and has no COVID in Canberra New Zealand. Canberra you've got, you've got the suburb of Mitchell and you've got the suburb of Fishwick both of which provide essential services for a rugby league bubble and I'd yeah, I can't see why they didn't. Because obviously this is this has happened in the Origin camp. This has already been a problem in the Origin camp, or so we suspect. It may not have been because no one actually knows what happened. Can you tell us what you know about the Jai Arrow Dancer Gate? Okay, so I know this much: the Queensland Maroons are filthy. Yeah, oh, yes, the yes. South Sydney. Ra- <laughs> The South Sydney oh, Rabbitohs. This. Okay, sorry. I thought you were just saying yes, they're filthy like yeah, that. Yeah. No, no, no. By the way, the reason they won't relocate to Canberra is that they're looking forward to the fact that they're still able to play the games in front of crowds. And it doesn't matter who you put on Canberra, they don't turn out for football. Uh, the oh. South Sydney Rabbitohs are also filthy. And both organisations are filthy because they miss the show. So from what we know, the invited performer was an unregistered guest. Uh-huh. Tick. Dancer. Tick, but that's when it gets murky. We don't know what sort of dancer. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation about adult dancer, and I'm assuming, yes, she would have been an adult. Mm. And that there's such a, a wide... As you know, Dennis, as being from the performing arts, there's such a wide range of types. It could be interpretive, oh. ballet, yeah. jazz ballet. <laughs> you can imagine Paul Green walks in and there's Jai Arrow doing jazz fingers. That sort of gave the game away a little bit. What have you been up to, Jai? Oh, nothing, coach. He did claim. So the the story that's been released is that he was on his own and there was no physical contact 
That was sure. that was the story. So this wasn't a lap dance. Can I suggest? Well, it's, it's midwinter. I don't know what establishments you've been. I don't know what establishments you've been to, Dennis. But I've certainly been to a few <laughs> establishments where you can look, but you, you can can't, see. You can't touch. touch. Um, I don't know what you're talking so about, that's Chris. That's my home life, by the way. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But what I'd, what I'd like to put to you is this proposal, this suggestion. We've had the winter solstice, right? We're in mid-July. Yes. The days are starting to get longer. You'll find the birds are starting to nest. We're getting towards spring. And what better way to celebrate post-solstice than having Morris dances around the maypole? I'm putting mm. to you, she was a Morris dancer. She had bells, she had the mm. white suit and the hat and the stick with the beer bottles, and she was going ka-chink, ka-chink, ka-chink around it. And this was Jai Arrow's celebration of spring being on the way. And, He's a rabbit. And, uh, I, I, what could I, be I'm more spring straight. than a spring rabbit celebrating with a Morris dancer, celebrating the solstice? And I'm wading straight into this one. What uh, took the place of the maypole? There was no physical contact, apparently. But let's let's look. We've, well, I've mentioned already uh, George Bush Senior. There was no sexual contact between President Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Um, sexual contact apparently doesn't include having a little. No, no, no. Let's <coughs> no, that's, that's not go I don't get, is, it, is it possible? I don't, get I don't want to get technical with you, Dennis. But I think the actual words were sexual relations. No sexual relations. There you go. The juxtaposition of league. This is the the two extremes. You've got the sex-deprived players going into the bubble. (laughs) You've got the sex-deprived Jai Arrow with the Morris dancers around the maypole. And on the other side, you've got this player who everyone wants to hate because he's an absolute prick and he's the mouthiest prick in rugby league and you just want to hate him. But all you hear about him off-field is that he is the best bloke in rugby league and anyone who's played with him who's gone out with him, absolutely loves him. And that's, I hate to Sam say... Sam Williams. No, no, he's, he's... No one hates him on the field either. No one. Every, right. Everyone <laughs> just loves Sam Williams. No, Will Chambers. Ah. And Will Chambers, he was just so badly treated by the rugby league. You've got the Jai Arrow incident. You've got the Bulldogs, the Bondi Bulldogs. You've got the Shell Harbour 13. And then you've got Will Chambers. What happened to Will Chambers, Chris? So, a blessed event in the Chambers household, I believe, the arrival of a new baby. And so, Will's hopped in the car. Congratulations uh, to headed down to Yeah, congratulations to the Chambers family to, to celebrate the arrival of his new child. I believe mother and child are doing extremely well. So, he's driven down, uh, understanding the intricacies and the ever-shifting fluid nature of the border situation right now, where Barry Jickelin goes up against Andrews and Palaszczuk on a daily basis. And then he's driven back for the Sharks clash against the... What are they now? The Vodafone Warriors? Is that what they actually are now? Yeah, they don't have a nation. Because I believe they're no longer... They're not Auckland. They're not New Zealand. Are no. they really the Vodafone Warriors? They've got to do it. something about that. Uh, and, of course, he's been denied entry and access into the ground because of the restrictions and he's a potential COVID breach. So, of course, the clubs have gone into overdrive to resolve this situation as expeditiously as possible, which means he has to sit in his car for seven hours. And I remember driving to the Gold Coast with my family, not to go to an adult dancer establishment as it turned out, but still uh, to enjoy and relax and decompress. Some Morris dancing. And seven hours in the car, Dennis, it's a nightmare. But if the car's not moving, Jiminy Jillikas, it must have been tough for Will. And then he was told, guess what, Will? Drive back down to Melbourne, 
and self-isolate for 14 days. And so he's tried to do the right thing and he can't play for two weeks for his beloved Sharks. And it's quite shocking that he actually... He's tried to do the right thing, and he's been punished for it. Could you call that car, like the interior of the car, it's kind of a, a chamber. Would you call it a, a yes. chamber of horrors? Yeah, torture chamber. <laughs> torture chamber. <laughs> That's his new nickname, torture. We'll torture chambers. <laughs> and, and, of course, it wasn't just confined. The COVID situation wasn't just confined to uh, the problems with Will Chambers as well. It, it sort of it sort of spread over the Warriors as well. I mean, first of all, Two of their players, including Ewan Aiken, were unable to play for the next two weeks because they were on an aeroplane where one of the flight attendants had become a close contact with someone who had the dreaded lurgy. So she didn't actually so have the flight of, attendant didn't have the lurgy. The flight attendant was no, a close no, contact. No, no. Yeah. Close contact. Yeah. You know, they'd been to a Bunnings or something. Yep. God knows why it was open. And so they were rubbed out for two weeks in self-isolation. And then to heap indignity upon indignity. They arrived at uh, Shark Park, a.k.a. Cogra Jubilee, only to hear that the catering for the Warriors was off. And that's interesting because it seemed to infer that the catering for the Sharks was still on. And I wonder what the difference in the two diets are. But this led Nathan Brown, generally an equanimous character and the everyman, the reasonable man, to say how he's feeling about the state of the rugby league world. I thought the refereeing, I haven't complained all year, it was lots of close games, but the refereeing was really poor today. And I feel sorry for him because I'm not sure, I mean, I'm at a loss to what the rules are now after the way last week's was ref to this week's was ref. So I thought the, the way the game was ref didn't help us build any pressure as well. I'm not saying we didn't do things wrong, but I just don't get, I don't understand what the rules are anymore. I'm lost, you know. And Doesn't he speak for everyone, Dennis? I don't know what the rules are anymore. Every day it's changing. We don't know where we are. We don't know how to belong. And it looks like the Horseman has lost one of his greatest fans in Nathan Brown. And no wonder. I tell you what, the Horseman has just wreaked a miracle here because the parlous state of the game, so parlous that Channel 9's got plans to freshen up their rugby league coverage by doing live crosses to players' families during the games. They'll actually put the action in a letterbox and have an in-depth with the family to get their eyes off the blowouts. Nathan Brown's been lost. And the the pandemic has just come back at the right time for the horseman because he's able to save rugby league again. And he's loving it. But speaking of pandemics and tragedy, there's a tragic tale going on as well, Chris, in a, a TV show from Fox, the opponent of Channel 9. So you've got... Channel 9 trying to put this stuff in. And I, I did notice it was the first weekend where I've actually watched a Raiders game for quite some time because I don't normally watch the replay. And yes, indeed, Fox do have the crowd noise. And it's... Uh, I get a bit frustrated by the crowd noise. I really do. Just use the natural sound. There's natural sound there. We're in an unusual situation, use the natural sound. There's plenty of it there. There's no harm in it. Although the DJs, again, on the weekend were so unnecessarily loud and I'm going to be sending an email to the NRL to find out exactly when can the DJ start and stop because they were playing the music over the kickoff up until just before the player caught it and they're encroaching more and more that as the kick is running in to kick the ball they only stop the music just after that it's quite annoying when you're trying to focus on the game this is again it's distraction I don't want to be distracted I want it Leah if you want to distract me break my elbow but I want to yeah I want to watch the game. I don't want to hear some DJ playing, this, turning on the sewing machine. I, I just 
Shut up. Let the game go on. Well, Particularly when there's a clear sound like a kick. You love hearing that. Well, if I can speak in defence of game day DJs, because I know some of them and, you know, they're, they're fairly unfortunate souls and they, <laughs> they need a gig, Dennis. One would argue, would they be necessary during empty arena shows? And the answer is yes, because they've got to keep their chops up because... One thing that Peter Volandis understands very clearly is that when the game returns in front of crowds in the greater Sydney area, the state of the game, as I was opining before, is so parlous that they'll be trying to distract the crowd in every way possible. As I said, Zoom live Zoom calls to players' families during the coverage on Channel 9 and an entertainment fiesta, including great DJ music during the game because Lord knows that <laughs> most of the fans are there won't want to watch it. But it actually raises a question from Don't Argue on our Instagram page, jumping ahead to the feedback feedback segment before feedback, Redford Pat feedback. joins us. Don't Argue asked whether you knew who was mixing the crowd sound in these instances. Oh, I know their names, but I don't know the people. I know there's there's different feeds, there's different companies at Nine, there's different companies at, uh, th- at Fox Sports. Um, but I can tell you the ABC just uses a lot of mics placed around the ground to pick up the action on field and to pick up the chirp. And boy, there's some good chirp. The, it's just yeah. it's distant enough that you don't hear the swearing. There's, there is some swearing, but hearing the thud of the players slapping into each other, but also hearing when the uh, Warriors, I've forgotten which player it was, scored a try and was just short of the line, and hearing the Sharks, they're all on the try line. The Warriors are back on the 10. They're watching the replay and they're going, oh, boy, you know you didn't make it, boy. You know you didn't make it. You can see the grass there, can't you, boy? They're sitting there sledging as, like, live. No one knows the decision, so they're sledging at a risk because the bunker, the toss of the coin may well come up tails when they're betting heads and then boy's gonna go yeah how was that grass for you buddy hey it was i love hearing that stuff and of course that game isn't had, the answer that game had one of the, the greatest always, moments oh yes but i was gonna say isn't the answer always focus more on the game exactly don't distract from it but speaking of distracting from it your tigers chris now it's a great weekend because i don't believe they had a loss this weekend no they got the bye yeah, so they didn't have a loss. So you'll be happy. Did the Rabbitohs have Two a win? Two points in the bank. Rabbitohs had a win. The Raiders had a win. We're all happy. Yeah, the, we're all happy. The Tigers are distracting from their season where for the first time in, what, nine years, they're not going to come ninth um, by having a TV show called Tragic Tales from Tiger Town. Are you, you're across this happening? Well, I think it's called Wild West's. And simply then dubbed Tales from Tiger Town, Dennis. I don't think that the actual name has gone out as Tragic Tales, but it might as well be. You know, God knows I love this organisation and everything that it stands for, unlike some of the players apparently. But uh, the problem here was that they watched the test and they said, well, look, you know, we, we allowed a fly in the wall documentary to come in and see us warts and all. And the first thing is, I don't want to watch television and see Thomas McKayley's warts. That's the first thing I want to say. But I think they thought it would give them a boost. And I tell you what, Fox League are licking their lips because the Tigers are that close to imploding, what with Nofaluma being dropped from the playing group and sending oh. out tweets about defensive patterns, about allegations that Maguire changed his defensive pattern to deal with the South Sydney left side defence to no effect in the first half at Leichhardt a couple of weekends ago. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult viewing, Dennis, but it'll be the either the making or the dispatching of Coach Madge Maguire because I think we're going to get Madge in full effect. Well, I can I can give a couple of spoilers. I have some inside information there. There is a fair bit of time, and you've seen this yourself, so it's not too much of a spoiler. Madge is not afraid to tear up. 
No, no. Well, I've made I've made Madge cry. You made Madge cry. You know that's you were there. I was there, and uh, there's... We, we were. If we quickly tell that story, because I, I feel like we must be going to a break fairly fairly soon. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were lucky enough to have breakfast at the old West Triders Tigers training facility, which was in the bowels of Concord Stadium there at uh, Concord Oval. And it was question time. And I said to Madge, you know, obviously you're fully involved with taking the Tigers to the promised land. This is about three years ago. And uh, I said, do you ever get time? Because I was there, much as it irked me, I was standing amongst the South Sydney faithful and you had to sort of dip your hat to them. It was a great moment winning a premiership after all that heartache. Do you ever get time to look back on that? And he sort of, Look for his words, Dennis, and then he teared up because that's how much he loves rugby league. That's how much he loves the game. And that's much how much he loved the Rabbits and now how much he loves the Tigers. I said, I believe this special will be the making of Madge Maguire, but I'm really looking forward in the same manner as the review of the novel that was written by Cameron Smith called The Storm Within and was reviewed by Redfern Pat last year. I'll be looking forward to Redfern Pat's review and an upcoming episode of Fire Up about this Fly on the wall documentary. Well, I'm going to promise that when once it's been to air, we'll get the producer on here. He's a wonderful man. You'll see his name on the show, Paul O'Doherty. Pod. His name's actually Paul Leslie O'Doherty. Plod. He, he was a keyboard player from. Uh, he still is a keyboard player from Confetti. Marvelous, marvelous, terrific keyboard player. We'll get him on the show. Um, I'd love to have him. And by the way, I'm re- reading the Smith book now, and it really is a work of fiction. But anyway, I can't wait to read it. Um, I haven't read it yet, but we do need to address the dragon in the room. And the stat decks, the 10 stat decks, the apology by Paul Vaughan, there's so much has happened with this and so much has been discussed about it. But the main thing to me that's happened is the disbelief, the disbelief. Oh, oh, hang on. Sorry, Dennis. Hello? Oh, good day, Gerald. How are you? Sorry, it's Gerald Bill here, Dennis. He's just ringing to apologise for the Shell Harbour 13. <laughs> Mate, I'm, I'm recording... Uh, I really appreciate it. I know you've done the wrong thing, but I'll get back to you soon. Cheers. You didn't give him a chance to apologise to your kids, to your to, to your no. pets, to everything. He's let you down. So, so you took the phone call. Are you going to call him back? No. My question to you, Chris, you've got that phone call. Did you tumble for that? I'm not tumbling for it, Dennis. I'm not tumbling for it. Redfern Pat, you've heard the apology. You've heard the apology by Paul Vaughan. Did you tumble for it? Who else isn't tumbling for it? Look, look, I'm not tumbling for it. I don't tumble for it. With the Olympics coming up, I think he's saying, I'm not going to the gymnastics events. You won't find me there. But, boy, so did you did you watch that, the Bolts episode of uh, with, with Vaughn? Yeah, 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 I, I saw it. I mean, another great exclusive by Vonnie Sampson doing a terrific job. And look, I felt for Paul Vaughan. I, I, I really did. And I was kind of tumbling for it, but then similar to what happened with Jai Arrow, whose apology was, I know I've let a lot of people down, including my teammates, coaching staffs and fans right across the rugby league community. And what I just heard from Jared Beal, it's not enough, <laughs> Dennis. The apology is not comprehensive enough. And it was Dogstar on Twitter replying to a fire up tweet who said, I believe the correct rugby league hierarchy is as follows. I apologize to my country, my state, my coach, my team, my mates, my girlfriend slash wife slash partner of any orientation, family, community, if Indigenous, Kiwi, Kumul or South Pacific Islander, sponsors, and finally fans. And until 
these rugby league players, I don't mind them stuffing up, Dennis. We haven't got a show if they don't stuff up. But until they get the apology right, I'm not tumbling for it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, I can't believe what young blokes listen to these days. So, Chris, there's still a lot more fallout to come from the Dragons' debacle from the Shell Harbour 13. Well, I don't think Beale's the only person who's going to be giving me a personal call, Dennis. And this is, you know, to the credit of the St George Illawarra players that are getting on the front foot and apologising, if not comprehensively enough, because I'm not a member. But uh, there's been a number of aspects that have caught the media's attention, no more so than the great Piggy Riddell, former St George Illawarra and Parramatta great, and I'm sorry if he played for other clubs, I can't think of them. He actually lives across the road from Vaughan, so he bore witness (laughs) to it. And you would have thought... No drama there. You can't help where you live. But he's copying it from all sides. First of all, he tweeted, and I quote, one neighbor that lives next door made a noise complaint at 9 p.m. on a Saturday night. Think about it. So I did think about it. And I think he's referring to the fact that it's a little bit early. This same neighbor doesn't talk to anyone in the street, as opposed to Piggy, who's out there doing community work all the time, saying hi to people, mowing lawns. Are you sure he is? Are you sure that he's actually the one that doesn't (laughs) speak to people in the street and wears a pink dressing gown? (laughs) Well, the same number that sat out the front in her pink dressing gown okay. and watched it all unfold. So apparently she's the problem. And um, it, that, to, to add to Piggy's woes, because he's now in a head-to-head dispute with none other than James Hooper, who, by the way, very touchingly pointed out how that the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs in their game against the Roosters on the weekend were wearing on their sleeves, thank you, healthcare workers. And Hoops was doing side-eye lie duty in the pouring rain. And the healthcare workers were so moved. All healthcare workers in New South Wales for the rest of the month are wearing sleeves that say, thank you, James. No, Hooper. I saw that. I've had, my, I've had my COVID test yesterday and the, she was wearing a thanks hoops on the side. It was very moving. <laughs> no doubt it brought a tear to your, to your <laughs> eye. Uh, uh, he's also in trouble because he's now working for the Nine Network under the guise of being part of the continuous call team. And he didn't phone in the story, Dennis. Oh, I no. I mean, this is the trouble. Yeah. At what point, they always say it's difficult for young coaches, and again, hello to Nathan Brown, to move that from that transition from player to coach, which is something we might talk about in context of the Queensland Origin squad. But Riddell has felt more loyalty to his playing days than to his media days because he was on the story of the decade, Dennis. But he took a leaf out of the Braithometer book, Dennis, and that was when Braith and Nasta sat there at Grappa on that fateful day and he saw Wayne ordering presumably the lamb shanks that he was demolishing after the Rabbits win uh, against the North Queensland Cowboys last Friday night. And he sat on the story because it doesn't matter if you're an ex-player. It doesn't matter if you're part of the media, Dennis. There's there's one thing that Australians detest, Dennis, and it's a dobber. dobber. Well, it is, it's always so, an interesting moment in a young... So, a former player who starts in the media. It's always... It happens to every single one where they'll sit there and say they feel that a player is being dealt with unfairly and he goes you blokes in the media are always on us players and the media person will go hang on a second 
You're in Rupert's pocket now. You are the media, champ. You're in the pockets of Channel 9, Piggy. You are the media. And listen, Dennis, I'm prepared to make a sworn statement that Piggy Riddell is not the neighbour in the pink dressing gown. I'm not prepared to write a stack deck, but I am prepared to make a sworn statement. Uh, also in the mix was Matt Dufty, Dufty, who apparently Dufty apparently sprinted five kilometres to his home. So he obviously lives down in the Illawarra region as well. And it was basically on the metrics because he was wearing his GPS at the time. It was based on the data the Canterbury has offered him a one-year contract to join the <laughs> Canterbury-Bankstown backline Bulldogs, as they'll be known next year. I've got to say, because- I just, I absolutely dispute that necessarily and functionally. There is no such thing as a 5K sprint. A sprint is necessarily going at 90 to 100%. And you cannot, it, it's not, you can't sprint at 90 to 100% for more. That's why there's a 400-metre sprint and the 800 metres is a middle distance. So it can't have been a sprint. It was a middle distance. That's all it was. But nonetheless, it was 5K. These are elite athletes, Dennis. It's, it's Do you know not what time you did? Because it, it, be, it would be a really good thing to have a 5K, uh, like to, to find the time. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he probably came in around about a 16-minute. I think he did pretty well. I think that's pretty good. Um, and then, of course... The final word on all this, Dennis. Well, the final word so far that's has to go to the great shop. That's, that, that, that's, that's moving. Yeah, I told you, it was a sprint, Dennis. Ooh. It was a sprint. His middle distance is quick. Um, and, and can I also say thank you, James Hooper. And the last word for now, because this story, like Matt Dufty, still is going to run and run and run, has to go to the great <laughs> former St. George Illawarra 5'8", Anthony Chokmundine. Chokmundine says the, the, fight, the players should fight this shit in court and beat it. They should take legal action and get onto the right lawyers. It's hard to find, by the way, a right lawyer. Melman If I was backed into a corner, yeah, I would fight it. And I think he speaks for all of us, Dennis, when he says, if it wasn't for the COVID restrictions, then these players wouldn't be in this position. And <laughs> I, I vigorously agree with Chuck on that particular point. And he goes, celebrating a win, that's what we do. As football players, I don't drink, but that is part of the Australian culture. Getting together after a win, they didn't do anything wrong. This is now affecting one of our beloved games, Rugby League. And the only criticism I have is for Chock to sort of extend it and say one of our beloved games, Rugby League, he should simply have said our game. Our game. It's a it's a very interesting thing. So I think we've previously Fire Up has had the Fire Up um, atrocity meter. Meter, yep. I think we might need to make another cup with a media meter that measures how much, how big a story is. And when Bolts is outraged by it, that's somewhere in the middle. That's that's. But, but when you've got Anthony Mundine weighing in, you're up in the red line. This is a serious yeah, yeah. big story when Anthony's calling for lawyers. Yeah. Well, let's just call it the breathometer and be done with it. <laughs> Dennis, with everything, everything that happens off the field, exotic dancers barbecues at Shell Harbour, we can sometimes forget that football is still being played, albeit a truncated round 17 last week. What caught your eye? Because (laughs) unlike virtually everybody else that happens to follow our game, you were there. I was there. I was at the game. And there was, I can tell you, there was a two-man Viking clap at at Brookvale Oval. I was in the ABC booth, arms aloft, clapping as the boys ran on. I don't know if they heard me. And... I know that on the coverage, I was in the room next door for social distancing. The, the tech and producer are sat up in one room, the voices in the other. And I, there were some fairly audible squeals when Sam Williams went over his first try. 
But the squealing when he went over for the second try was... Uh, it was really quite unseemly and undignified. And when they had the win, it was mag. I did actually get some tapping on the wall from the referee's box, which is next door, suggesting that perhaps I was getting a little bit too exuberant. But after the game, there was a wonderful thing. We've been talking about men and that you need, that rugby league teams, they don't need so much men as they need transitional adolescence. They need boys growing up. To being men, but Ricky, yes, boys to men. Ricky has said that his team is all men, and it's a real, it's a real insight into Ricky's mindset that when he doesn't like something, he has a certain reaction to it, and he likes players who have the same reaction. Can we have a listen to him, Pat? Welcome to Thinking Forty with the game's greatest thinker, Ricky Stewart. There's always going to be headbutts, and I've never been, I've never coached a football team or be or be coached as a player where there hasn't been a few headbutts throughout the uh, the year. But we're all men, and we get on with it. Thinking forty with the game's greatest thinker, Rick Stewart. Now he went on. He gave. Unlike Paul Green, who gave 18 seconds of I'm not going to tell you is nothing, uh, he gave an 11 and a half minute press conference and he was cracking gags and he was a, it, this was a happy Ricky and he went on to reveal things in his personal life that even with your mates, you know, your friends outside footy, um, every now and again you have to headbutt each other. Now, it's, it's possible he was actually looking for the expression butt heads as in the allusion to, you know, your goats and your... your alpha males and you're banging heads but no he clearly said headbutt he actually will like he was famous for giving a crow peck in tackles he was famous for pinching in tackles if he's tackling a big prop forward he's going to pinch their thigh to hurt them so the headbutt thing it really uh, and I do well, wonder if Tarpane this weekend recovered from it he must have got a massive headbutt a few weeks ago and he's recovered he had a great game it was beautiful I'm wondering if Ricky is like me, Dennis, a fan of professional wrestling, and he was oh. referring to the accidental head clashes, but saying, "Look, inevitably, head clashes," and he's just morphed them into headbutts because he'd like to see the headbutt get into the game because it's been outlawed for quite a long time. Mm. And again, I think you were alluding to earlier at the Cronulla Warriors game, there was an absolutely beautiful post-try oh, celebration. Wasn't for it fantastic? The great. The great the great Mossy Masoy, and, and get on board on that men of league support there for Mossy Masoy. I know I have. Uh, where Hamlin Oelli celebrated his try by appearing to deck young Williams and then put the people's elbow on him. Oh. And if these are green shoots for where rugby league needs to go, because let's face it, professional wrestling, the violence is simulated. The horseman has eliminated all real violence out of the game. Fact. Yeah, let's bring a bit of simulated violence back into rugby league, and then everybody will be happy. So, Ricky Stewart, you're a pioneer. Fantastic. And one other thing that caught my eye this week was a certain beard on a referee that one of the one of everyone's favourite oh. referees. And I, I did send a message to this referee saying, "Oh, that beard is magnificent. The tinge of titanium is strong and matches the authority you exude." Is what I sent to him, and he replied. Thanks, mate. Stop. Stop these messages immediately. <laughs> Thanks, mate. It's my I don't give a Michael Luck look. 
So apparently this is the lockdown look. But it, I, that, that is not a I don't give a Michael Luck look because he's trimmed that beard. That was a well-manicured titanium beard. And it was magnificent. He's clearly saying, I am a man. I am a silverback. I'm not an adolescent footy player. I am a man. And that's what Matt Checken said. And it was fantastic to see it. He's come a long way. He, of course, is another fire-up alumni. And he's come a long way from where he admitted to dyeing his head and now just letting it all, letting his freak flag fly. A little bit like you, Dennis, there with your cobalt-tinged beard that I can see. And uh, I I have to say, again, anyone who dyes their hair, I mean, come on, just grow up. Exactly. Can I just say to all you, anyone listening out there, if you're growing your hair, if you're on the verge of turning 60 years old and you're still dyeing your hair, you're sad and you need help. I feel much better now for some oh, reason. I'm glad you got Anything that off your chest. Anything else from that round, Dennis? Anything, Anything else, else from well, that look, marvelous the, round? The Paul Green press conference was fantastic, and it also led, it, oh, led okay. to a, a wonderful thing that happened with uh, Fatty Vorton on the A. Funnily enough, on the ABC, and there's there's been a lot of backroom discussion around the back. And this is the one thing that's sad about lockdown and about the media not being there, because there's always back the back corridor, the discussions that happen in the back corridor between the media, the gossip that goes on, and there's been this persistent gossip that Billy Slater was offered the Queensland coach's job, said yes, and then nothing happened. Then a month later, he was told, oh, yeah, you can have an interview. And Fatty said on the ABC that he claimed Billy said, you can stick your offer where the sun don't shine. Now, Fatty, of course, was on the golf course and he was (laughs) just trying to get away. So who knows what he said? But this made big head waves. And it, was, it made it onto 9, onto 2GB. Fox Sports even had it, and they're all going, oh, how about this? So much so that Bruce, Bruce Harcher from the QRL has come out and denied it vehemently, and Billy Slater said, no, 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 there's no, there's no, there's nothing doing. It's just there's a, I, I applied for the, uh, for the job as the assistant, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, it's interesting that when you read it, when you heard it on 2GB, the story on the Channel 9 media, they just said that, Fatty Vorton said this, former Queenslander Fatty Vorton said this, whereas at least Rupert, Rupert said Fatty Vorton on the ABC said this, and I think it's because Rupert, yes. Rupert's pretty much, because he's, he's trying to get ScoMo to get rid of the ABC so that he can buy it, so Rupert's trying to happily push up the ABC so that he can have the, the radio network, whereas Channel 9 don't like it because it's a competitor, so they're trying to talk it down, they hate the ABC. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great to go under your Fox planner and just look at that strip of programming and it would say 7, 9, 10 and Fox <laughs> instead of the ABC? Look, Fatty Vorton, who, like me, is approaching the twilight of his career, he's a truth teller, Dennis. I mean, he was caught on the mics that were still hot at Origin 2, saying they may as well call the third one off, and Lord knows they almost have. And uh, now he's telling the truth about what went down. Now, the official line that Harch is pushing is that both... Green and Slater in the mix via an interview process and that Green was offered the job based on Slater in the Nathan Brown scale not being far enough divorced from the players as yet and he was offered an interview uh, assistant position and turned it down. But Fatty, I think, is also a la Chechen trying to let his freak flag fly. But I am actually in this particular case, Dennis, falling down on Harch's side. Oh, so because- not- are you telling me that you're not tumbling for it? I'm not tumbling for it because I think Fatty's not telling us the truth on this occasion because he relates the following. He said, Billy said, interview. Oh, wow. Didn't you tell me I had the job? 
And Billy said they can stick the interview where the sun dies shine. If there's one thing I know about Billy Slater, and I was just reflecting in reading the novel that is The Storm Within <laughs> about the life and career of Cameron Smith, and he was talking about a, a year which might have been 2007, I think. Or, uh, I think it was 2007 uh, where they won the first of their illegal premierships and Billy had had a really tough year and uh, G.I. had to play 5-8 because he did things like kick John Scandalis in the head, <laughs> leading to a seven-week suspension at Leichhardt Oval. And I was there for that. Billy said they can stick their interview where the sun shine. No way. Billy would have said, you can stick it up your ass. Oh, wow. No, he would have just said, oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's all he would have got. (laughs) So I'm on Harcher's side. The green one, less so. Harcher has said that Green's job in relation to his 18-second press conference where Green said, I was told not to say anything. Well, he did a good job of that. And And then... and then Christian Welsh fed, fielded all the questions. If there's ever a guy who's going to cross over into media without any problem whatsoever, it's Christian Welsh. He'll be the host of uh, NRL 360 when Bonnie said she's had enough of bolts and tumbling for bolts. <laughs> Hutch's quote was, Green's job is to coach the bloody origin side, not to be a movie star saying all the right things. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, look. It does take us, Dennis, to the... Those listening to the podcast in extremely real time that, in fact, Origin 3 is at Seabus Super Stadium that only went on sale at four o'clock this afternoon. But if the Abdo internet's doing its job, no one would have been able to get themselves a ticket as yet. Origin 3 is on. I mean, by some weird miracle, the arrival of Mitchell Moses, Queensland could win. But this series has been an unmitigated disaster from start to finish. But would you agree with me that this was the series that Queensland had to have? Oh, definitely the series that Queensland had to have. They needed to straighten up. They QRLs getting lambasted from pillar to post. I'm getting things saying my internet connection is unstable, so luckily I'm recording it separately. I suspected that. Is that the fox trying to call me? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's Call me, fox, anytime. Um, but yeah, the, the, the series... The fox has an auto car? Yeah, well, he's the one who's calling, who's calling Toto, so I was just wondering if he's calling me. He yeah, I'll tell you my... what he's calling right now. He's... He's calling Trent Barrett and goes, what's the deal with Dufty getting a gig? I thought I was playing fullback. <laughs> he can, no, they reckon he's going to play. Dufty's going to play in the halves. So they're, oh, so they're, they're replacing Lachlan Lewis with Dufty in the halves. I was, a, a stroke I'll, of I'll, be, I'll be honest. The reason why Sam Walker ran in the opposite direction was that he feared. I thought Lachlan Lewis had a blinder and he <laughs> is almost a movie star. And, you know, he was fearing one last shock tackle, dislodging the ball, length of the field try, we go to extra time. Sam Walker, interesting, very interesting. I have to say I was watching that game live. And Trent Robinson and uh, Boyd Cordner, heads shaking. Luke Carey thought it was Christmas. Absolutely loved it. And why would Luke Carey think it's from from Christmas? Because Luke Carey, despite being only eligible to play for New South Wales, he's an Ipswich boy, born and bred. And where's Walker's heritage? Ipswich. They're all so, Ipswich so what, kids. I'm thinking this is so an Ipswich So what do guys like Walker Sam and thing. Luke want to be able to say now, Dennis? Um, where is Ipswich? That's in Queensland. No. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what and, they and did, Didn't you, didn't you um, get to do a duet recently about well, is, getting back to the essence? Getting back to what? The essence? The essence. Of what origin is? I did. And this is... It, it came up... There's another thing Fatty was talking about. He was claiming another... <laughs> Lily gilding story that the word Queenslander, the way it came about was that one of the players, they were back in the late 80s, they're trying to think of a chant where they were in goal to get them up and someone said oranges and they're like, no, nah, that won't do. And someone else said, oh, what about bananas or pineapple? And then apparently Elfie Langer said, kumquats. 
which was all whether this is real or not or whether this is part of Fatty's uh, his, his memory for scores and games is amazing but he said apparently it was Choppy Close that came up and said Queenslander and that was what Billy really? Moore said so because I've been so cruel to Queenslanders and the people north of the border who are listening to this I thought I'd give them a little treat and make up for that's in Queensland by doing a duet with Billy Moore about being a Queenslander Up in the morning, you say one word. Who'd have thought that a single word could make me feel so good? Queenslander. Since we won the shield, Queenslander, yeah. Now it's gone, we can't lose 3 nil. Queenslander, Queensland all the way. Win the final game, Queenslander. A choppy close tearing up because of Queensland pride Queenslander, Queenslander And I can still taste the glory of the victory back in 95 Queenslander Since we won the shield Queenslander, yeah Queenslander, Queenslander Now it's gone, we can't lose 3-0 Heart of Queensland. Beat the Blues Wednesday. Queensland, yeah. I trust any wiper. Yeah, well. It's so important with regards that you're right. I got the wrong, yes. wrong game. Call you fine for that? No. I call you fine for that, kid. Um. I have no intelligence. That's what I'm suggesting. Riffin' Pat, again, you must be feeling increasingly confident as we move into the final third of the season as your South Sydney Rabbitohs are executing at a very high level. How's the feeling? I thought they stepped up a little bit on Friday. It is a little bit like the this season with South has been a little bit like the girl who sort of will pay attention to you for a little bit and then stop, like... There'll be like stretches of 30 minutes, 60 minutes or whatever where it's like we're winning the comp and then you get the 50-point losses. And that conceding that last try at the end, that was um, 
Didn't need that, but feeling pretty good. Well, that's good. I mean, and I, and as always, I think we're all here. If you're part of the Greater Sydney community, you're in lockdown. Well, unless you're living in Shell Harbour, uh, we got a welfare check, and I particularly want to check in with you this week, as Beauty and the Geek has now gone to air. Where two episodes in, in episode three runs tonight. Have you watched it, and are you coping? Uh, I haven't watched it. I did see there's a Footy Geek. Well, no. the footy geek, gosh, I wish I'd, I haven't bet his down his name. I'll have it next week. It might be Will or something like that, but he's an uh, AFL guy. And, uh, in, and, and in a similar vein to the great Paul Vorton, in fact, Paul Vorton in that discussion, he actually advocated for butter and ginger as the motivational Queensland produce to get them fired up. But uh, this kid has a big afro of beautiful blazing red hair, which I hope they don't change an iota in the makeover that inevitably will happen. But I got to tell you, Pat, he was stiff opposition. I, I just think you're just a shade too together for the show, if that makes you feel a little bit yeah. better. Well, yeah. What, what are we doing? Where are we at? Like 6.30 at night and I'm still, got, still nursing a hangover. So I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how together with it I am. Okay. Well, uh, if you keep feeling the need to drink on your own, um, let us know, <laughs> Pat. So... <laughs> What what are we what have you seen in the rugby league media this this week? Um, we we uh, you did a little little uh, slip up there for you. We saw um just before we jump into it that uh, rugby league got on the other media watch. You see that through the week? No. That the coverage the coverage of uh, Vaughny's coverage got onto media watch the uh, the other one. Um, and there's another thing I need to clear up. Last week, I uh, looked at my notes and I forgot to mention that with the, the Tigers, in the Tigers game, the crowd noise. And after Adam Reynolds scored, they played booing noises. And I can only assume that like, because this year as we've, we've been over, Tigers fans have booed their own team, the opposition team and the refs. So maybe the algorithm just throws in random booze it. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I actually remember hearing those booze, and I said, "Oh, they've sampled that from halftime against the Cowboys at Leichhardt earlier in the year." Yeah, when, they uh, must. Yet yeah. they must just randomly. So add that to the list of things Tigers have booed uh, an opposition botch try. That was that was quite a that, that was the moment when he he did swim himself out of the uh, origin calculation when he ran the ball dead and then did the surfboard thing, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I do think though with that one that. Tigers, the, the Leichhardt crowd are a very well-educated pantomime crowd and they quite possibly would have booed him for not scoring that. They're like, you, you had a fair break, there was no obstruction, yeah. you should have put... Yeah. And they're booing the showboating. Him running the dead ball line was showboating and grandstanding. Yeah. He should have just yeah. put the ball down honestly. That's why yeah. they were booing. I think the, the algorithm yeah. got it right. They know the like, even though it wasn't Leichhardt. No, it wasn't Leichhardt. Well, I think you're correct, Dennis. And going back to the question from Don't Argue... On Instagram, who mixes the crowd noise, Dennis? I think the answer is a genius. Yeah. So I'd like to enter a new um, phrase into the rugby league, uh, into rugby league parlance. Have you noticed that every time someone takes a short dropout, it's followed by how come players don't take more short dropouts? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like Absolutely. it'll yeah. be. Why don't they do that more often? Yeah. Yeah. Short kickoffs as well. Short kickoffs, and on the back of that, you they'll mention Walker Ball, and you know talk about how how good the Walker brothers are. Do you know they they made the grand final once in their first year mm-hmm. in 2016, didn't make the finals again, and then got sacked. 
and now people yeah, yeah, are talking yeah. about them as like potential saviors, saviors of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also on the Walker, we're always looking for a hype. That um, Shane Walker, I'm convinced that in a game in 2004, Shane Walker ran the ball backwards. So that's Uncle Shane. Yes, that, that's absolutely true. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation about who's done the. For those who didn't see Sam Walker running backwards in the last 30 seconds, so that the game clock expired. Benji Marshall did it against the Warriors yeah. and ended up uh, being uh, physically challenged by one of the other players. So Benji threw a ball at him and it was all in brawl. And, and of course, there's a Josh Benji Reynolds was def- and, and then famously, Tony Iroh, yeah, uh, Tony representing Iroh. the Adelaide Rams. That's that's the iconic one. So it is correct. It's, it's part of the Walker lexicon. Yeah. And uh, I'm fairly confident Sam Walker won't be doing it again. There was a part of that, though, where about 15 minutes prior there too, um, there was a play that broke down for, off a kick that ended up in Walker's hands. And Walker has the ball and he's looking there about the 20 metre line on the attacking side. He looks and sees a whole lot of players and realises it's the last. I need to get space between me and the defenders to make a kick. So he's again run about 15 metres backwards and arced back to the middle of the field to get some of his players on side to make the kick. So if you take that 15 metres and the 85 metres he ran backwards, he's got a full 100 metres backwards in that game. How does that, how does that work in Supercoach? They take Why, the they metres off that you? Stat. Negative meters don't count. Well, Thanks, that's, that's a mathematical don't, issue. I don't, I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> we don't have minus <laughs> buttons on the keyboards. <laughs> the other thing I learned was a little bit like Lord's Cricket Ground. Bankwest has clearly got some sort of camber going, right? Because, you know, it's meant to be a state-of-the-art facility. Well, not in the drainage, because when they were scoring in the, in the, in, you know, the in-goal areas, there was just a torrent of water that was being thrown up. So... There's still a little bit of work to do out there at, uh, what is it, Dennis? Tell me again. Western Sydney Stadium. Thank you very much. <laughs> what else Anything else caught your eye in the media? Yeah, we yeah. got, um, I'll just run through this quickly. We got, uh, we talked about the Ray Hadley on 360 during the week. He also had an entry into the, into rugby league parlance. Jack DeBellin, ball face lied to the integrity unit, ball face lied to his chief executive. <laughs> Did ball you get face that? Like, so, so does that mean he's he's facing the ball as he says it? Um, you tell me. I ball or, on the or, face would be ball on the face would be would be my guess. Ball on the face, as in like a what? Do, what do you call the uh, Dick Chinians? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with testicle yeah. chins. Is that yeah. what he is? Wow. Yeah, and then and then the next night we had Cooper Cronk, who's supposed to be this. Um, I think he does try, tries to do that Tony Romo thing of like predicting plays. And he made a couple of predictions on the show. Questions about Matt Dufty, one of the best players in our competition. But New, New South Wales is going to bounce out of this. Silverchair is probably doing the pregame up there. <laughs> yeah, that's, well a, done, that, that's a mic drop. Yeah, so I think it's um, in, in with this new parlance we've got, that would make Cooper Cronk a... Ball face... <laughs> <laughs> Ball face... He, he, he certainly sees himself as providing a bit of comedic relief on 360 for some reason. So he's just got the zingers going, either intentionally, I assume, Silverchair's playing at Newcastle and Origin 2, or unintentionally, Matt Dufty's one of the best players in rugby league. That one there's a surprising one. (laughs) That certainly caught my attention. Uh, You know, an amount of people will be listening to this after after State of Origin. But wouldn't we look like idiots if Silverchair do reform and play? You know, maybe they get up to the Gold (laughs) Coast and play. 
Are we? Are we? No, that willing, would be something. Are we willing to? Uh, are we that confident it won't happen? I tell you what. Um, one thing I haven't got clarified is obviously with all the changes. Are we going to get Shepherd again for Game Three? Yeah. Yeah. Or is there someone who Channel Nine has perhaps dudded in one of their TV shows? Who's uh, do you maybe Billy Idol? I don't know. Someone from Beauty and the Geek. Get the footy geek on. He's an AFL geek though. Yeah, he get him on. He can sing up there, Kazali. Oh, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> Chris, you got anything about Janet Jackson? I do. I've done my research this week, guys. In 1986, Janet hit number one for the first time with her song, When I Think of You. So that became on the US charts the first time that siblings had had number one records as solo artists because, of course, Michael had a very, very long pedigree in that regard. Uh, Jamal? Jamal have anything? Jermaine. Jermaine. <laughs> Jamal Jackson. Jermaine. Jermaine had a handy solo career, but uh, he didn't hit number one as a solo artist. Neither did Latoya, Tito, Randy, Jackie, and Marlon. Jackie Jackson. Jackie Jackson. Jamal Jackson. Well, so, what have we heard this week, Pat? So looking in our, our group, Blowing Up Deluxe on Facebook... It has, uh, we did get a lot of activity around uh, Rugby League University. That kicked up yes. again. I'm not going to go through and name everyone because there's quite a few. I'll just rush through it. So we've got veter- uh, Veterinary Science, Joel Monaghan. Nice. Yep. I guess uh, I'd probably throw Mitchell Pierce in there. Nutrition, yep. George Rose. Orienteering, Martin <laughs> Bella. Business, Willie Mason. After his... <laughs> Business uh, acumen. Uh, photography, Todd Carney, because, of course, uh, he was a master of the parallax um, yeah, phenomenon. Yes. Yep. Um, criminology with tubes in his investigation. And I think an yes. underrated part of that blow-up he did is um, is this little part. But the two blokes in the box couldn't see it. Well, they need high-definition TV, bigger ones. So perhaps Tubes can help help out with the University AV Club there. Yes. <laughs> he seems keen to help out with the technology. Music is Bo Champion because of his famous tweet in uh, 2012, how good is music, especially uh, emotion- emotional slash love song. Uh, he tried to change the world with that tweet, didn't he? It's one of the greatest world. tweets in the in the history of Twitter. Yeah. yeah. And then- didn't, didn't, didn't Scott Morrison tweet how good is tennis or something on the weekend? Oh, oh yeah, and then we're talking about who's going to be the dean of rugby league um, university. I suggested Greg Inglis because he got most of his business degree in ten years. That probably puts him top of the pile, doesn't it? Surely. <laughs> or Dean Hallatow, like that's a Dean Schiffer. Oh yeah, yeah, Dean Collis. Dean Collis could be a few there. Dean Collis. <laughs> Um, we've also got on the group, it's pretty much a blow-by-blow of Gus's Twitter account. So on the, what day was the Euros? It was Monday morning. Um, he tweeted, how does, how does he stream the game? <laughs> he couldn't <laughs> work that out. No, it's, how, do you, how do you watch soccer? How do you watch so soccer? The, <laughs> so the question, it's, was he saying, was that a logistics question? Or was that a saying like, how do you prick sit there and watch this rubbish? I think I think that's more what Gus was getting at. Oh, was he? 
Um, we also had last last Tuesday. It was Taco Tuesday in the Gould residence. But oh, unfortunately, really? but unfortunately, <laughs> Gus doesn't like tacos, so Gus had stir fry, which was uh, last night's dinner. He had leftover stir fry. Then he took a photo of it and it was gr- grilled chicken and veggies. It definitely wasn't a stir fry. So I don't know if maybe someone had got into the leftovers beforehand. I don't know Wait, if he mate, had it lying around. Maybe he still mate, had some ingredients lying around. Maybe it wasn't a taco. Maybe he actually does like tacos and he still hasn't had a chance to find out. I actually, uh, my 95-year-old father, I took him out for lunch the other day and he had fish tacos. First time he'd ever had a taco. He loved it. Is it possible that uh, he'd, he'd had dinner with Buzz and Buzz had eaten the stir fry because Buzz doesn't mind Buzz does like Chinese. the stir fry. Yeah, I think that was, that would have been about 8.39 o'clock and I don't know if Buzz, Buzz stays up that late. What with the uh, alcoholism? <laughs> Easy. Uh, I tell you what though, they, they, they always wheel out those rugby league cookbooks and they're always players. A, a rugby league media cookbook could be quite oh. quite uh, a bestseller, I think, a I'll real put, page turner. I'll put that to Michael Carriano, so I'm sure he'd have some recipes in there. That'd be fantastic. And that's all so for it, me. That's it. Well, let's go to Chris's Kooky Correspondence Corner, KKKK. So it's been a bit busy this week, guys, so I'll try and do a bit of clean-up first of all. I had a outstanding obligation. The director of Donnie Darko, Southland Tales in the Box, of course, was Richard Kelly. And his next movie yet to have a release date is an untitled Rod Serling biopic. <laughs> what will be found Rod. in the Twilight Zone? So um, I, I think that'll be a box office smash because everyone really wanted to know the real man behind Rod Serling. Um, 100%. Uh, Tony McDermott, a colleague of mine, asked if I could give a shout-out to his mate's Podcast in a spirit of collegiate podcastness, which is called 10lessonslearned.com by uh, a guy called Duff Watkins. And Duff is uh, residing in Sydney. And he interviewed Matt Doherty, who was a former college basketballer for the University of North Carolina. He then, again, Nathan Brownsile, immediately became a coach for Notre Dame and then got picked up by North Carolina to replace the great Dean Smith, who was famously regarded as the man who was the only person who could keep Michael Jordan at less than 20 points a game in his famous four-corner system that took UNC to the NCAA title in the early 80s. And this is a podcast all about lessons you can learn about leadership. So I recommend it to you, and I certainly recommend it to Michael Maguire off the back of <laughs> Wild West's. Uh, on the Instagram, Shots, who I think might be Jeremy Kirkwood, and this is a, a bit of a lag on this one. I think he was referring to the fact that he took a seat near Ben Eichen after Origin 1 and found that uh, Ben was funny and was excellent at swearing as opposed to Zach Lomax and Daniel Alvaro who refused to swear (laughs) and won't provide a statement to the police. And then finally, an apology to Fire Up fan David Stringfeld. I was searching for who gave me the idea that when contracts a la Paul Vaughan's are torn up, why are they not in other ways disposed? And it was David who said, of course, the shredder is never an option with a rugby league contract. They have to be physically torn up. So keep all the comments coming. Pat's putting terrific stuff down each week as a discussion point. And then blowing up Deluxe, get involved. Because again, as Pat points out, and you're right here, Pat, people much more talented than us are providing great content there, aren't they? Sure are. Well, that sounds like it's a wrap, boys. So let's just stop it there and thank all the listeners for listening. And again, like I said at the start, please feel free to subscribe and share it and get some more listeners and build and get on board with the uh, 
I've already forgotten it. Let's blowing cut that bit out, Pat. Let's get on board with Blowing Up Deluxe and follow us on at Fire Up NRL. Chris, is that the one on Twitter? Yes, and then Fire Up Rugby League for uh, Facebook and Instagram. And I hope that everybody enjoys their bubble. Oh, sorry. Oh, no. Hello. Josh, Josh Maguire. Yes, mate. Yes, I understand. You thought you could get away with it. We need to talk later. Sorry, guys. Another member of the Shell Harbour 13 calling to apologise. Didn't think um, you'd get caught. If Jared Bill calls again, I watch Channel 9. I'm a, I'm a good Australian and I watch Channel 9 every night. <laughs> I didn't see Jared Bill's name as a, um, as a, uh, a, a, a attendee Apologist. of the party. An offender? No, if you recall, Pat, on Channel 9, they had two screens with, this, with six yeah. players and their fines. And Jared, it was only fine. Two thousand dollars was the least fine player, and he didn't actually make the cut. So imagine my surprise when he makes the headline saying he apologised, and I'm thinking, well, he wasn't even there. <laughs> Just an apologist. All right, we hope you're all fired up and have a win for the weekend. Thank you. Goodbye. You're at university now. Fire it up, university. Oh, yeah.